I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dow. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to explore anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. And I feel like we need some spooky music here. I assume Nick can provide that for us. He's a wizard on that kind of thing. That's right. Cause, yeah, because you got to preach on Halloween. Halloween. Halloween, very rare. I'm very disappointed that you didn't dress up. Like everyone was not in costume. Like the whole choir, if it would all have been in costume, been missed awesome. opportunity. Missed opportunity. So, so at the eleven o'clock service, I looked up. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was you, Nick, sitting right behind Nick in the booth, or where I normally look to see Nick, uh, was a huge inflatable sloth. <laughs> really? and, and during the greeting time, I actually asked, uh, "Like, are you Kung Fu Panda?" I thought it was Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Did you answer, or did she answer? Um, I, th- yeah, she answered. It. She answered. Yeah. Okay. And we got it cleared up and then she came down for children's time and it had a little motor in it and everything like it, Like she stayed in play. Like she had to stand up for children's time because she couldn't sit down <laughs> because she had a big, I showed her on the live stream. <laughs> Turn the camera. Did you really? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> All right. Okay. So because he, at first you said you were joked about that you were going to just preach about candy, which I feel like <laughs> could have been like a, someone's creative credo, you know, comparing each. Yeah, that could have been. I'm know, not sure how good a score that would have gotten. Probably not. That's a Perkins School of Theology joke. Yeah. By the way, we welcomed the former dean of Perkins School of Theology yesterday. Yes. Virginia joined. Yes. His friend. Mm-hmm. He's clergy, so he's not a member of the church, but we got a chance to introduce him. That was nice. Yeah. But so, anyway, credo is your project at the end of systematics. Mm-hmm. That's what we colloquially call it, but it's actually interpretation of the Christian message. 30 pages on what you were. Yeah. And you're the weirdo that's like, you like to do I it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And then I looked over at, uh, which service was that? The 11 o'clock? I looked over at Haley and said, did you, are you she's in the middle of writing her paper, yeah. or in the middle of systematics. I said, do you, do you like it? No, she doesn't like it. Because <laughs> we're normal people. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's important. It it's, is important. It was just really stressful. That's all. Anyway. It's awesome. All right. I've got mine. Oh, I'm sure you do. It's in a, bi- <laughs> it's, in a bi- it's on a shelf with a light. It's in a <laughs> it's in a case. You I have to a, wash I, your hands before you touch it. I got a very good grade on it. So, oh man. Okay, so <laughs> we're just gonna move on from this. So, I feel like in a lot of our podcasts we rank things. Yeah. And so I don't know if we've ranked. Halloween candy. How about Kratos? How about Kratos of people on staff? <laughs> okay. I put mine at number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mine to be last. <laughs> so, unless can I use my husband? His would, his would be good. Um, okay. Top five Halloween candy. What do you think? So, I was thinking about this because the picture we put up on uh, the big screen on, uh, I, I went through several versions, like several pictures. And I didn't want to put any specific brands up there because I didn't want to feel like we were endorsing anything. <laughs> but the the picture we ended up putting up on the screen was like the classic candy, like the like the orange and black wrapped mm-hmm. taffy things yeah. and the generic ghost 
nasty chocolate things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So all of that generic candy would be probably last. Trash, right? Well, there's plenty of trash, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm raising my children well because I walked around with Sam. So it was a, okay. It was a, we had to do a whole thing here. So it was a, a turning point moment this Halloween, like a passage of time moment. Both the boys did their own pump, own jack lanterns all by themselves. Like I didn't touch their pumpkins for either one of them. Okay. And then my oldest went trick or treating with his friends and not with us. Bum, bum, wow. <laughs> That's a good. Thank good, you. good sound effect. What did you know? The, what, Price is right. Yes, thank you. Uh, and so Sam, anyway, Sam and I went, and he, <laughs> Twizzlers. We our, our joke in our house is that Twizzlers are barely candy, and if somebody throws Twizzlers in his in his jack o' lantern, he's like, or whatever his bag, he's like, mm, this trash. Twizzlers are good. Twizzlers are like nasty. Them. Twizzlers are like, I mean, they're like. So if you're gonna go with that kind of licorice thing, it's got to be red vines. Yeah. What about black licorice? Oh, the worst. So oh. good. So good. <laughs> Ugh, I love gross. it. Oh. Are you like a 95-year-old woman? Like, I just assume Maybe like, candy-wise. Maybe candy I feel wise. like, is that when you start to like it? When you hit like 90? Oh. I don't know. Especially if you get like that gourmet, like black licorice. Like, there is no such there's thing. Gourmet. That is no. an oxymoron. <laughs> gourmet black licorice. <laughs> From the region in France, you're whatever. Like, is that what you say? Oh, man. Uh, Mr. Goodbar, be very low. Mm-hmm. Um, Butterfinger, nasty. Really? Nasty. Okay. Mm, right to the trash. Uh, Reese's Pieces, disgusting. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't hate that. What yeah. about the Reese's Cups? Now, okay. There's a clear ranking on Reese's Cups as well. So the mail-it-in, quote-unquote, pumpkin-shaped Reese's, first of all, what is that? I haven't you seen You pull that. it out of the wrapper. I'll tell you what it looks like. It has nothing to look like a pumpkin. <laughs> but the, if you're going to do, if you have to, if you must eat a Reese's Cup, it has to be the big one. Mm-hmm. Like the big one, mm-hmm. like the legit one, not the little nasty one wrapped in foil. Okay, I mean that's just the the, the chocolate to peanut butter ratio <laughs> is all off on that. <laughs> Man, so uh, I stole the. You had a question on the prep questions about stealing candy from the kids. Yeah, I mean it's not really stealing because they, they're clear that I do it. But almond joys and mounds are those are all mine because nobody likes. I actually nuts. like those now, and so I'm like, when did that happen? Uh-huh. When you hit. Mid thirties. I guess so. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm an adult now. <laughs> but yeah, I'd steal those. Uh, and then you know, every once in a while, it's an arms race in our neighborhood because some some people give out full size candy bars and some people give out king size candy bars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be number one, as long as it's not like a, I mean Hershey's, eh, or a plain old Hershey's bar. I mean, if you're gonna melt it and put it with a marshmallow and a graham right. cracker, it's fine. Yeah. Other than that. Didn't a kid mention Swedish fish yesterday uh, during children's time? Yeah. What, what? Sam hates Swedish fish. Oh, oh I love Swedish fish. They're He's good. opinionated like his old man. They're so good. And I think he I think he was ragging on Swedish fish yesterday. Uh, that was Sam. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you get like a fresh bag, if you get kind of stale ones, I could see why you don't like them. But like a good, really fresh one, fresh one where they're like, they're pretty they're good. dope. Right out of the ocean. Right out of the ocean. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Or the Lake of Sweden. <laughs> Lake Louisville, fresh out. <laughs> oh. So problem in my house is my daughter does not like chocolate. You know this. And so, which is great sometimes because I don't have to share stuff with her. But then who has to eat all the chocolate? Me. <laughs> she doesn't like chocolate? No. Mm. It's the weirdest thing. That's uh, unusual. It is unusual. We have a nephew and niece that don't like chocolate too. I don't know what that's I'm about. not a huge chocolate fan. Dark chocolate, super good. 
Well, okay. Rest of it. So your okay, and, your chocolate opinion's appropriate there. Right. Milk chocolate, I could I could leave it. Okay. I could totally, I never had it anymore. Yeah. Be okay. I totally agree with that. Okay. All right. Let's also talk about how you were going to talk a lot about scary movies yeah. and show like yeah. other pictures. What? what were we thinking, Chris? <laughs> What's going on? So I didn't. I wasn't going to show the pictures necessarily, but I was going to talk about why I, why those movies scared me. And mm-hmm. so I did the first draft with Wit with Whitney, and she said, uh, "As a mother, uh, don't you can't. First of all, you can't." T- Tell everybody the pastor's scared of this random thing. And second of all, you definitely can't do that with kids in the room. So for The Shining, it was going to be long hallways in hotels have given me the heebie-jeebies ever since oh, yeah. I watched The Shining. Mm-hmm. And she's like, great. So every kid's going to be afraid to go to the hotel. Yeah, it's true. And then, <laughs> this is true. So it's ever since we watched The Sixth Sense, there has not been a time that I've come home at night in 22 years now that I've not pulled back the curtains in every shower in the house to make sure nobody's hiding in there. Every time. Every time. Wow. Yeah, that scarred me. Okay. Do you know? Do you remember why? I don't remember. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Okay. I forgot. Do you remember why? I haven't seen that one, actually. Okay. I've only seen, like, the sequels. Okay. Wait, not the, the Sixth Sense. Isn't there, like, two more movies after The Sixth Mm-mm. Sense? Mm-mm. I don't think oh, I'm so. thinking of something else. By... Sixth Sense is the one by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. But he's I mean, he's done other movies, but not sequels to Sixth Sense. Oh, I don't know like what Like the I'm Seventh thinking. and Eighth Sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> Those were like not as big of a hit. But no, straight I to DVD. It's so creepy. Anyway, so I won't ruin it for you. So anyway, I got real specific on that. And she said, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. So I edited that out. That ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> it's probably good. <laughs> and there are some great pictures I could have gotten from The Exorcist. Have you Ooh. seen The Exorcist? I don't think I have, actually. Because mm. I hate scary movies. Okay. Interesting. I hate them. That's my... I respect that. So you mentioned how much you are scared of The Exorcist. Scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And there's not, there's not really a close second. The Exorcist 3 was pretty scary. The okay. Exorcist 2 was really stupid. Mm-hmm. So my name being Reagan <laughs> is not like a trigger for you? Because <laughs> I haven't gotten that in a long time, but I remember like a long time ago, yeah. people were like, oh, like The Exorcist? Like the Exorcist. And I'm like, cool, that's fun to be, you <laughs> like know. Like 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Neat. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> that was the inspiration. Yeah, I guess so. It was either that or Damien. Both solid choices. <laughs> oh, sorry, Damien. If, if your name's Damien, sorry. That's an omen reference. Yeah. Um, okay. So, are there any somewhat scary movies that you like? Um. So, I, it's funny. Before Whitney and I started dating, I used to watch scary movies all the time, and uh, she hates them. So we don't. We stopped watching them, and then, um, you know, like the slasher movies and stuff like that. Those are just silly. Guys with knives don't scare me. It's the supernatural <laughs> stuff. Okay. That mm. freaks me out. Uh, We'll probably get to it when we get to the demon okay. questions later. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of focus on like... How about you? Wait, no. We, oh, or you just don't like any of them. Well, the ones that I like are kind of... Um, there's a movie called Ready or Not. I don't know if hmm. you knew... It's like uh, this this girl gets married to this family. And they play this really big game. And it's always on the night that one of them gets married. And that they draw like a certain card. So it's just like... So there's a lot of murdering and stuff. <laughs> but it's like well done. Okay. Um, and then I watched this one called The Babysitter. Um, and it's like, uh, a spoof on like eighties kind of scary slasher mm. movies. His, this boy like is obsessed with this babysitter and then he finds out she's like a Satan worshiper because oh. he stays up to see what she does after he goes to bed. <laughs> and it's just, it's so comical okay. kind of. So that's kind of stuff. I mean, like intentionally. Yeah. Okay. What about Scream? Um, I've seen Scream. I mean, that's not really a horror movie. Thing. That was kind of freaky, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm just not a big fan of them. What about like the ultra scary, like sinister 
type of like the movie Sinister or like Conjuring. Uh, Those no. are so, like what I think of. of true like, story. Super scary. So this summer, Whitney had already taken Sam down to sea camp. And I was staying home Sunday because Max was coming home from one of his camps. And then we were going to go down to Galveston. And that afternoon, I, I put on The Conjuring because we had, what do we have? I think we had HBO Max on a free promo or whatever. And so um, I watched <laughs> I watched about 25 minutes of it. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to end up walking around the house checking all the under the beds tonight. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I turned it off. <laughs> Good choice. Um, okay. So... Uh, you're really, your focus is talking kind of about fears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So are there any fears that you realize were exaggerated or fears that you outgrew like as a kid or, um, I hate heights still to this day. Okay. Which is interesting because you love national park. True phobia. Yeah. I don't like to be on the, near the edge of anything. Okay. (laughs) And I really don't like it when the kids are close to the edge. Um, or Whitney, of course, like my family, I don't like them. Then they're a little more courageous than I am Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, snakes really freak me out. So my go, my go-to move with a snake is to kill it. So I did in Henrietta, Henrietta, which was unfortunate because it was, <laughs> so we had a uh, shed right next to the parsonage in Henrietta and there was a big old, I think it was a rat snake in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh no. So I went and got a hoe and I cut his head off. <laughs> and then when I picked it up to sling it out <laughs> oh, no. into the, um, into the street because that's what you do when you're in the country. Uh, turns out there was a rat in there in its belly because I picked it up and it was like, oh, oh and I'm like, oh, oh man, oh. I, I probably should let you go because <laughs> oh. now we're gonna have. A, it might have been a mouse, but there was yeah. something he had eaten, which he should have been eating. But there, were, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so no, that's about it. Okay. Any phobias for you? Um, oh, you know what? Shots. I used to hate shots. Oh. Yeah. 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 Okay. So much so that the first time when I was a freshman in Notre Dame and you're in Navy ROTC, you have to get like 4 million shots and they line you up like in the factory style. Mm-hmm. And I stood, I, I got to the front of the line and there was, it's all these old, these aren't nice, like kind nurses, you know, these are like guys in the military who, yeah. so I'm not like, Oh God. So get a chair for this one. Oh no. <laughs> So, but I've outgrown that. That's good. Good to hear. Got a flu shot this weekend. It was good fine. job. Yeah. Proud of you. Did you get a sucker? <laughs> a sticker? They were offered, but I gave them to my children. Okay. Good job, you. Um, sharks. I'm still really terrified of sharks. Okay. So, there, so there's no body of water that I okay. do not get freaked out in. Yeah. I don't swim in water I can't see the bottom of. Yeah. That's practical, though. That's not an unreasonable phobia. That's sure. like mm-hmm. Like lakes? Do you know what kind of weird creatures live in lakes? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And as my brothers told me when I was a kid, you know there's like special sharks that live in lakes because <laughs> that's what older well, brothers like, do. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So sharks all the time. Okay. Let's finally get to the scripture. Sure, Bible. Okay. <laughs> so the story of um, Joshua, you point out that they are finally entering the promised land, but there would be probably war, bloodshed, and suffering. Mm-hmm. So how did... God specifically call them into this next phase? Like, how did God tell them, like, what did God tell them what was going to happen? Like what was laid out for Joshua? What did he know at the time? Uh, so he knew that they, so, okay. I know it's a lot. (laughs) It depends on how you read the story. Okay. So if you're, so if you're Joshua, like just from the narrative, let's just pretend we're Joshua as the story is being told. Okay. So he knows that they're going to conquer the land and all of their enemies would, will be delivered to them. So, that doesn't mean that what wasn't going to be with a bunch of fighting. 
and there's not a, a promise that there's not going to be any Israelite casualties, but that they're going to conquer it. So, but the reason I'm putting it like that is these, these books weren't written until much, much later. And so like, what did God really say? Mm -hmm. What did the people perceive God said? You get to the whole story of Jericho and there's, you know, like holy war and men, women, and children being slaughtered and all this just at the hands of the people yeah. who think God's telling them to do this. So, uh, anyway, but that's a podcast for a different day. Okay. So he knows that, uh, that they are going to take possession of the land. Okay. Yeah. And God's ordering it. Yeah. So he, uh, and the point is that he doesn't have to worry because God's going to be with them. Okay. So Joshua knows that the outcome's going to be good. Right. So where do you think his fear is coming from? Well, okay. So I'm going to flip this around. Yeah. You're going to have a third baby. Yeah. Outcome's going to be awesome. Yeah. Between now and then. Yeah, that's 40. true. That's a good, that's a good little analogy. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. So what's on the other side is positive, very positive, mm -hmm. but uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be without, you know, pain. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I'm not talking about childbirth now because I have no experience of that. I'm talking about <laughs> for Joshua. Yeah. Well, I, I get Joshua. I, By the way, if you watch, you watch Friends. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Joshua. Is that what you need? No, I like it. <laughs> Joshua. Joshua. And I, pr I'm pretty sure I said that yesterday with Joshua. She's just like that. Because every time I think of the word Joshua, I've, I've never seen that episode of Friends. Oh, yeah. Whitney right? loves Friends and she's told me about it. So. Yep. Yes. Um, okay. So. That makes sense because I was just thinking, okay, if I had stuff laid out, if God told me it's going to be okay, but of course, I guess God doesn't lay out exactly how things are going to, right. and like you said, it depends how are they perceiving what God tells them and what they, and all of that. Right. That's, that's a lot. But, but there's plenty, there's plenty to fear. Even if you know the outcome is going to be good, there's, yeah. there's plenty to fear. No. And I think that's, that's good because I think for a lot of us, we don't have the clear answers or the things that, you know, God doesn't. I'm not going to say never, but normally in my experience, God's not like, okay, on this day, this is going to happen and this will happen. So don't worry, Reagan, because this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so what should we do when we don't have those clear kind of answers or anything? When we're really walking blindly, what do you think is an encouragement to people? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that verse that we read at the top, like there's nothing in the kind of grand scheme of things, eschatological way of looking at like if you take the long view, everything's going to be okay mm -hmm. somehow because God is with us. And, you know, I think that was even Wesley's, weren't, there, weren't those Wesley's last words on his deathbed? The best of all is God is with us. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And he, uh, I mean, I just think that's, that is the point. That's the point for the Israelites on the banks of the river Jordan before they take the promised land. That's the, the promise that God makes in According to Matthew, the Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. I mean, that is really the fundamental, most important thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you talked um, that Joshua had probably some fears because he was following <laughs> Moses. And <laughs> you mentioned that you might have been projecting a little since you're following <laughs> Don right. Underwood, who is pastor for 37 years. Right. Yeah. Four decades, man. Four decades. And he was at two of the three services yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so... Has this story meant a lot to you personally or what can you, I mean, I don't want to be like, all right, Chris, let's be vulnerable and share it. But like, <laughs> no, I, so I was 100% joking about that because, uh, I mean, there's plenty of challenges with following somebody like Don, but yeah. you know, Don and I are very close and he's from the beginning been my biggest cheerleader. I mean, he's 
Don's awesome. Yeah. Like I have the benefit of him being here. Um, I, I actually wonder if the better analogy would be Jason following Pat mm-hmm. and now Pat's, you know, deceased. Yeah. We have his concert coming up this week, his memorial concert coming up this week. Um, so that it's, everyone has the memory of Pat's leadership. And if they knew Pat a long time, then there's, and, and people do this the same with me, but Don's still around. So it makes it a little, cause he's here and he's obviously, uh, what, like he, he's invested in what we're doing here still. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that makes a big difference, but there's always the, uh, conscious or subconscious, uh, comparison mm-hmm. between what the new person's doing and what the old person did. So in, uh, I mean, it's, I'm not exactly comparing Don to Moses and me to Joshua, yeah. <laughs> but there is definitely the, um, oh, the, just the challenge of following somebody who's been such a, uh, impactful leader for so long. Yeah. But I was, I was just kidding about all that. I figured it'd get a laugh <laughs> no, and, not, and it didn't get as big a laugh as I was yeah. hoping actually. You're like, come on now. Like, come on y'all. That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, it was, I didn't unpack the projection. Like if you don't, if you're not familiar with that phrase, you might not really know what I was talking about. True. Um, I do have to ask, cause I've always obviously been married to someone that just recently became a senior pastor for the first time. So you went from Arapahoe to Henrietta, yeah. right? Were you like scared to death to first be a senior pastor? <laughs> was that so intimidating? Uh, I, I wasn't, but I, but it's, I was, it's not my first career. So, you know, I've been in charge of stuff before. Right. I prefer, frankly, to be in charge of stuff. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> so, I don't know. So... <laughs> the, you probably haven't picked up on that in my personality. Oh, man. I would have been, yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. I just feel like that's such a big so, leap. Okay. So when when I was in the Navy, I was a young ensign and then second lieutenant. And uh, um, no, is that what we called it? My gosh, it's been so long ago. Anyway, I was the, I was the assistant department head for this brand new ship that was being built. And, uh, right before the ship was getting ready to deploy, my boss blew his knee out and had to be shipped off. And we had two choices. Um, and I was, how old was I at the time? 23, maybe we had, we could bring somebody in new and try to get them up to speed on the culture of the wardroom, the officers, the officers group, or the captain could fleet what's called fleet me up, which means make me the department head way ahead of schedule. Okay. It's very uncommon to do that. And he decided to do that. And um, <laughs> so you talk about getting thrown into the deep end of the pool. Yeah. So I had guys, these chiefs, salty old chiefs who had been in the Navy for 20 years who didn't really have a lot of patience for young officers anyway, let alone really young officers. And these on, the, on a new commissioning, on a brand new ship, it's prior to be commissioned, it's the best duty in the Navy. Like it's, these are top notch guys, the best in their job, at their positions. So um, then I had all these other other department heads that like th- these are these are the, like the orders for being the on a brand new destroyer about to go to sea that's the job you take if you have a, a aspiration of being a captain or an admiral i mean it's okay. a big deal everyone around you is hyper competitive and every officer is ranked against every other officer and that matters on your advancements so you are one of 20 or 20 of 20 or 15 of 20 and the, it's it can be very unhealthy competition. So as a 23 year old, I was, I was managing chiefs who really could not care less about my opinion about anything. And in competition with these other guys who were wanting to be Admiral someday. And, um, all of a sudden the new, the new, the kid from Notre Dame, that's 
people who love love or hate Notre Dame too, by the way. Okay. So, um, you know, that was, that was actual pressure. Okay. (laughs) Professionally. Yeah. Um, so that when in Henrietta, like that's a congregation that really takes, um, make, considers it part of its mission to, to train young pastors. So it's very nurturing. They're very forgiving when you screw stuff up, like you're inevitably going to do. Um, we had, you know, a young child and, and a brand new baby. And that's like the best thing ever for a church like that. So, um, compared to my experience in the Navy 20 years earlier, that was not intimidating. Okay. All right. That like makes me like sweat just thinking about being in charge of this <laughs> church all by myself. But then my next, my next week was following a retired, I mean, a former DS who had been the longest tenured pastor in Sherman and then Don. So it, it, like every, it feels like every job that I've had has been, um, you know, stepping into circumstances that you just have to be really self-confident <laughs> to be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, there are times when that kind of self-confidence can be a massive character defect. And then there are times when that self-confidence is really required in order to put up with all the, well, we used to do this and right. we didn't die and not sometimes Don or previous jobs, uh, like with Jim, well, Jim never blah, 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 you know, that whole thing. So anyway, okay. That took a turn I was not expecting. That was not on your list of questions. I know. Okay. <laughs> Trying to make you cry. Remember last week? Did my you make cha- me cry? Or you're, we, we made some challenge. You're like, you don't cry easily or mm. something. I was like, challenge accepted. So I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember what it was about. Yeah. Cry. But that was not, I, I mean, I'll get emotional on sentimental stuff. Oh, yeah. You're a big softy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think I am. You but, are. But like on the, somebody making me cry is yeah. much harder to do. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So you mentioned you went to this conference in this wonderful land called Kansas yes. last week. And it was rectangle. It was flat. <laughs> it was cold. It was gray. Honestly, I don't know if that describes Kansas in the fall. But... No. Beautiful. I had one person text me. They're like, it's so clean here. I was like, I know. <laughs> clean. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just a little... <laughs> trivia, I guess, bit for you. Okay. The airport was pretty pitiful. They're building a new one. I know it's terrible. Okay. It's terrible. Okay. So, uh, the conference talked about, you know, the future of the UMC mm-hmm. and how all the challenges that we've gone through in the last couple of years. Can you name just the broad ones and the ones specific to Christ United? Yeah. So this was a, it was a conference that Adam Hamilton put together. A lot of people, I would say most Methodists know his name. And this is for folks who, uh, who are committed to the United Methodist Church, who know that their their congregation and they personally are going to be sticking around and working through all the challenges that we face. So when he when he named the litany, the way he put it at the start of the conference is we've been we've all been through basically I mean going on now thirty six months of hell. Starting with General Conference twenty nineteen. So he started there, February, which was the where, you know, whatever anyone thought about the outcome of that conference, the tone of the conference was very means mean spirited. It really, it was divisive, divided. It was just a, a lot of people of all different perspectives on the, on the whole debate around human sexuality were pretty discouraged about how, like how the church had treated itself at that conference. So that was the starting point. Then you get into a presidential election cycle, which is always incredibly difficult, especially for a big tent denomination. And in our case, a big tent congregation where you have very committed Democrats, very committed Republicans, and every presidential election is, I don't know if everyone is, uh, there are, there are 
all partisan, obviously, but some of them have been more mean spirited than others, or like the tone has just been right. really kind of nasty. And I think that's probably gotten increasingly worse over the past 20, well, since I've been a voter. So really from the 90s on, I guess. So there's that. And then there was the uh, pandemic. But it wasn't just the pandemic. Then it was the politicizing political. Yes. Okay. It became a political thing. (laughs) Yeah. Whether or not you're going to wear a mask, whether or not you're going to get vaccinated, whether or not uh, you were going to do follows COVID protocols. I mean, all this became super divisive and not just that. Um, but in most cases, pastors get it coming and going, you know, you're either not, um, (laughs) if you're not rigid on your COVID protocols, your, your liberal congregation members get upset. If you're too rigid, your conservative members get upset and there's just, you just get it from all sides. Mm -hmm. Then all the conversation after the murder of George Floyd and the, the uh, issues of racial equity, justice, I mean, all just those terms make mm-hmm. people uh, twitch for some folks. Um, so it was like just this long litany. And now that we're coming, what we all thought was going to be, everybody's going to be coming back to campus, then Delta hit. Yeah. And now nobody knows where, where anybody is. Like, not anybody. The, the best estimate is that churches have lost 30% of their members. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So from from fall of two years ago to now, 30% of the people have been have disappeared. Yeah. For some congregations, it's more. Some congregations, it's less. In our case, it's less. But still, there are folks that we've lost touch with or gotten out of the habit or whatever. So how do you minister to the people who are online only? How do you reconnect with the people who we haven't seen in a while? How do you deal with the reduced budgets that, are, that come with that? I mean, it's just... It's uh, it's a lot, and by the way, we're still supposed to have another general conference. Someday, supposed to, have, supposed to happen in twenty. Then it was supposed to happen in twenty one. It's supposed to happen now in twenty two, which looks very unlikely. Those poor delegates. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say the poor church. Like yeah. I just, it's um, you know. So anyway, we all we all got together and talked about. First, we kind of commiserated. We did the lamentation thing. Like, yeah. wow, this is really hard. Harder than any of us mm-hmm. would have imagined. And then we talked about what, how we're going to get through it, how yeah. we get through it together. Um, so we ended certainly with a with a uh, spirit of hope. Um, I think the fear not thing was a good um, a good theme. It was helpful for this you know for this particular sermon coming the week after that or the Sunday after that conference. Of course, Adam wrote the book Unafraid that I re- referenced in the sermon. Um, so I I do think it really does come down to that ninth verse. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and it is it's a commandment. I hereby command you: be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's I think that's what we have to cling on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it's a commandment, mm-hmm. I think that that makes it, packs even more of a punch. Mm-hmm. Something to really cling to. Um, well, I'm glad you left hopeful from the conference because mm-hmm. I know that's it was also just two days of very long, intense conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot. Um, and then of course just personally here at Christ going through all the transition, lots of new team members, our storm. Cause yeah. I remember like yeah. all the Sunday school classes are about to start coming together yeah. Yeah. like in person. And then oh, I was by like, the way, by the way, everything's flooded. We're still waiting for workers. Don't know when they're, yeah, right. it was just one thing after another. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part B of the question that I didn't really get to. So all, all the staff turnover. I mean, you arrived in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie stepped into a new role in the pandemic. 
Paul arrived in the pandemic. So the pastoral staff, what I guess a third of us, uh, well, two of us are still in the same job we were when the pandemic hit me and Mike. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess that's not even true. No, you. I mean, Don and I had kind of done the handoff, so that was coming. But yeah. the actual transit, that's right. Mike is the only one who's still doing the same thing <laughs> that he was when the pandemic hit. It's true. That's oh, kind of crazy. I hadn't thought of it till just now. Yeah. So I've got, I, I'm in the, obviously the, the different role, uh, even though I was getting ready for that. Stephanie's in a new role. Paige is in a brand new role doing the online church thing. Mm-hmm. So, or off campus ministries thing. Yeah. That's a lot. And then the, and then there was the ice mageddon, snow mageddon, whatever with the, uh, what we're going to be dealing with in 2022, which is increased insurance premiums and increased deductibles, you know, in the context of a, of a diminished budget. I mean, it's all, it's very complicated. Yeah. But you left hopeful. So we're, yeah. we're sticking with that. Um, but I did love it in your sermon that it is this really consistent reminder that God is always with us from Abraham to now that message is very consistent. Yeah. Like, isn't Dr. McKenzie, like when you write a sermon, there should be like a thread throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, and there's that thread throughout our yeah. Bibles that God is always with us. Yep, always. But you were very also quick to say, doesn't mean everything turns out the way you want. So how do you explain that to people who are in the middle of like legitimate fears? How do you like pastorally say God is with you? Also, not everything's going to work out. <laughs> like, what's your um, balance? Well, I think that if your theology is such that um, the most important thing is not the outcome, but the company, mm, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, the outcome we have to kind of let go of. Let go of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, that is consistent whether your struggle is an addiction or financial concerns or the illness or death of a loved one or job uncertainty or relationship uncertainty. Life comes and goes. <laughs> Life rises and falls. Like there's highs and lows. But it's that whole, it's Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm-hmm. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I mean, that's, I think that's the point. And if we, if we can cling on that, if we can stay to that, if we can stay committed to that vision, same way I feel about the church, um, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I yeah. don't, I don't exactly see how right, in the yeah. moment, right? Um, what the church is going to be this this time next year? I mean, we'll still be here, we'll still be doing ministry, but, but um, you know, who knows? Number it used to be certainly in Plano, you could pretty pretty much chart the trajectory of numbers and how, like how you reach new people and how many people you should expect to come based on those things and. All that's different, but uh, it's the same Lord who's walking with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like your your concept of you know it's everything is going to be okay and shifting. Like your okay might look different than your okay that you think mm-hmm. it should be. I don't yeah, know. Might not be on our terms. Yeah, but it's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean that's it's hard stuff though, and there's a lot of terrible theology that wants to tell you different. Thousand percent, <laughs> thousand percent. I, I can pray. I can have all of us pray fervently for uh, there to be the same number of people in the sanctuary as there were in October of 2019. That's not at all contingent. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like first of all, God doesn't directly control that. Second of all, it's not directly correlated to our, the amount of faith of the people praying. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. there's, there's a lot of bad theology about that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So this is a question I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. So you shared about two of your professors at Perkins, um, the ones that taught your systematic or your Christian interpretation of the Christian message, um, having experience with the dark forces or demons. 
So have you experienced any of this? Have you seen any of this? You, something that you couldn't quite explain? Let's talk to, about demons, I guess. <laughs> That's definitely something Whitney did not want me to talk about. I mean, she was fine with the illustration. but um, Yeah, so the reason the exorcist scares me legitimately, I was raised Catholic, and there's like exorcism is a whole thing that Catholics do. Yeah. And so the concept of um, uh, spiritual forces of wickedness, which we we talk about in our baptismal vows, mm-hmm. I think there are very many modern Methodists who just interpret that meta- metaphorically, which is fine. Um, the Vatican has a whole department where they train people to deal with those. And um, you know what I didn't say in in uh, the sermon was that in my preaching class there was a a, a woman who was from the AME tradition whose calling was spiritual warfare. Like, and she was, I mean, same seminary as me, same age mm-hmm. as me, maybe a little bit older, um, same tradition as me, Wesleyan tradition. And that's what she did. So I would say, uh, I have not had direct experience with that. Um, but I, I know enough people that I respect who have, mm-hmm. who are not crazy <laughs> yeah. and, and not given to flights of fancy. That including Billy, by the way, Abraham, yeah, um, who I referenced in the sermon, that I uh, I just allow for the possibility that that's a very real thing, and um, what I'm confident about is that the power of God in Jesus Christ is bigger than any of it, which was also Billy's point, yeah, also Karen's point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I I know people who have performed exorcisms and who have whose calling primary calling as they understand it is spiritual warfare. And so, um, that's not the business that I'm in. And, but you know, I've got, I've got some books on my shelf that I don't put prominently on my shelf. <laughs> Cause that's only for your credo, <laughs> right? <laughs> Prominent. <laughs> yeah. The spotlights on the, the credo <laughs> with the, you know, the hundred from Billy. Uh-huh, right. yep. but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have not showed you that, huh? No. We should maybe we should put a picture of my credo in the show notes. Bet Nick can do that. <laughs> Can't no, wait. No, that's not that, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the like handbook of spiritual warfare, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm assuming you have not. I have not, but same thing. Where I had a really good seminary buddy. His first appointment, he he got called to come with I think a Catholic priest, and he went to this house, and he told me what happened, and he's like. Can't explain what I just saw, mm-hmm. and right. you know. So, I mean, I think the the vast majority of um, of that of of things that people used to attribute to demon possession, mm-hmm. I, I do think the vast majority of that these days we would attribute to mental health issues. Correct. Yeah. Um, there was one time in when I was at Arapahoe, I was there on a Wednesday night doing with with uh, doing the youth thing, and a dude came in who. Uh, I mean, I've been around a lot of people with mental health issues. This guy just seemed off, like in a different way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, if you would have asked me if this guy, like, if this guy had asked for a, an exorcism, it, like, I wouldn't have, I would have thought, okay, yeah, I need to call a priest <laughs> or somebody who does this. Yeah. Like, he was that off. Like, he, like okay. just something really gave me the kind of willies. You know what I mean? Uh, there's <laughs> a great, scary movie, by the way, called the, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, no, that's not your thing. No, right. I'm sure Scott has. <laughs> he loves them. Nick, have you seen it? Uh, also, based on a true story, um, they they said it in America, but it was it actually occurred in Germany. Um, 
and it's creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like people would want to know what you thought about that because, you know, it's interesting. It um, is interesting. Okay. So have you, how have you seen the power of God help people overcome fears or face fears? Um, well, I mean, I think you could do a whole long list about that. I mean, so, um, on a very kind of silly level, not silly on a very, um, not life and death. Well, with my kids. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we're doing something adventurous or if we're doing flu shots (laughs) and one of the boys is freaking out, the, the mantra that they both know is Philippians four thirteen. I could do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, I say that if they drag me up on a zip line or some kind of high ropes thing that I don't want to do. Yeah. And I, and I know that sounds silly, but I hate heights. I hate yeah. heights. I'm, I'm very fearful of heights. So, um, that mantra, uh, that simple prayer, I think actually can help remind you of important stuff. And I think that works. I mean, obviously if you're, repelling or something you don't want to do that <laughs> that can give you courage in the moment but um anybody who's facing any of those long list of things that i've listed off earlier i think it can be helpful mm-hmm. um people who are battling addiction rely on the power of god in their life every single day through prayer and meetings and stuff like that so um i think i just i can't overstate the importance of the presence of god in our lives and and when you're conscious of that when you're connected to that when you're prayerfully, you know, engaging with that truth, that, that theological truth, then I think there's not a whole lot. To, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything you can't get through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anybody who comes to me with any kind of problem th- that involves deep seated fear, uh, that was, that's my, always my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so many things that, and I'm sure you can relate to this where either you, you have a conversation or maybe you have to do a really tough pastoral care call or visit and you leave and you're like, I don't know how I did that. Or I don't remember what I said. And it's just like, it's that power of God, like letting you, cause you go into those things very fearful, very worried. And then whatever it is, it's that, that power of God, that presence of God that just overtakes you yep. and gives you the ability to do things that you, you cannot do in your own. So it's, and then you, it's important to give that back to God and say, you know, thank you. Like, yep. That wasn't me. No <laughs> that was all you. That. that was all you. And that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, tr- in Trinitarian language, that's what we. That's who we would attribute that to. Yeah. Okay. Um, as we head into 2022, and there are plenty of fears. Um, what are you staying focused on so you don't give into those fears and let them rule your mind and heart? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so there's a great Russian proverb: um, "Pray to God, but keep rowing to shore." <laughs> Which I yeah. love that. So we do all the things like at the church, we do all the things that we have the power to do. Um, the best planning we can do, the best budgeting we can do, the best, um, kind of program dreaming we can do. And then we uh, trust the results to God. Mm -hmm. So I would say that on, on the church level, which is the source of the vast majority of my anxiety these days. (laughs) Yeah. Personal stuff's all great. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, I just try to take, stay positive. You know, if let's say, like, just on my mind right now, I was like, okay, I know we've some people have dropped off, and we don't know where they are. But then I look at like, hey, there's new people visiting. There's new people getting connected to classes. Mm-hmm. There's a new class started. Like, 
I focus on that, that we are bringing in new people. Mm-hmm. And so not to get disgruntled because if you keep reaching out to people that clearly don't want to be here, you're going <laughs> right. to miss the people that really want to be right. here. And right. so I have to, I have to keep that focus uh, yeah, So that I, gives me encouragement and excitement. And at the end of the 11 o'clock yesterday service, we had four, we recognized four families that joined the church in October. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good in the hood. It is all good. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so, all right. That's all I have. Yeah, that's it for me. So this coming week is All Saints Sunday, and that's one of my favorite services of the year for many reasons. Um, first, we honor the, the dead, which I think is tremendously important. Um, some people think it's a depressing day. I don't. I think it's a really important day. Uh, also, we fall back. Oh, Which is my right. favorite Sunday of the year. Hmm. I love the extra hour of sleep, <laughs> and I don't mind it getting dark earlier. Then... It's also the kind of the unofficial start of the holidays because <laughs> it's All Saints and then it's, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that's all good. And then at 6.30 p.m. in the sanctuary, the Messick Memorial, Pat Messick Memorial Concert is going to be taking place. I hope uh, everybody gets a chance to come to that. There's going to be some stuff that was unique, like Pat, that Pat wrote or arranged. First half hour of the program is going to be that kind of tribute to him specifically. And then we're doing the the Mozart Requiem, which is one of Pat's favorite pieces which is heavy, uh, but beautiful, and like one of the iconic pieces in music history, right, Nick? I mean, I think that's fair to say yep, that. Yeah, for sure. So, and there are all these musicians from all over who have donated their time and have been working really hard for that. So I, I really do hope that as many people as possible can make it to that uh, service. Cowboys don't play on Sundays, I understand. <laughs> I think they play Monday. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, so there's no so. conflict there. Um, so, and then two weeks... So the 14th is Don's celebration. One service, one service, one, one service. service. 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. If you arrive at 845, you'll get the best seat in the house. If you arrive at 11, you'll catch the end and you can go visit him at the reception. Okay. So, all right, y'all. Uh, well, Reagan, Nick, thank you very much. Everybody listening, we appreciate you spending uh, some time with us again this week. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Off Script. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.